The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, now your host, Jim Tofty. Journey guitarist Neil Sean is certainly a workhorse musician. He's happiest when he's either on stage or in the studio. He was a bit of a prodigy, joining Santana at the age of 17 in 1971 before he and Greg Raleigh formed Journey just a couple years later. That band has dealt with quite a few lineup changes through the years, but seem to be in a great place right now. I always love talking to Neil. He's always so positive, and Journey has a nice long residency here at the Virgin Hotels Las Vegas inside the theater. I've got Neil Sean on the line right now. Hey, Jim. Neil here. Neil, how are you, buddy? Welcome, and welcome back to your home away from home, I guess, right? We've spent a lot of time here, man. It's, it definitely started <laughs> to feel like that. I know, and uh, and I'm just assuming that at times like this, with COVID and everything, you must like having a nice, lengthy residency. You know, it is very comfortable. Um, since the first time we did it, you know, a few years back, uh, it, you know, I didn't know quite what I was going to think of it. And, you know, after we got into it, I went, wow, this is really an easy gig, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, completely. I mean, you can unpack and you can hang for a while and, you know, you don't have to go to sound checks every day. Once you get the sound, you know, dialed and you can go in on the days off if you choose and work on uh, newer material, work on the set. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, a great opportunity um, to be able to do a lot of different things besides even playing. Yeah, you know? the, and the weather is nice here now at this time of the year. So, have you been getting out and doing stuff? Yeah, we're we're all over the place, and um, uh, I mean it's a relatively small uh, city. Like I'm going in today. Um, do you know Pat Thrall, Pat and Zoe Thrall? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm heading uh, to their studio later today. I'm going to be sequencing our new album, the Freedom nice. Album. Yeah, of course, Zoe, I, I've uh, talked to a couple times. She's just amazing, and her uh, Bruce Springsteen connection is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we have an exciting new album uh, that's coming out. It's supposed to drop in March while we're on tour, but we will be coming with a new single. But it's actually, uh, we have 15 tracks, and um, after I you know, figure out the best way it goes together, Today could end up being 12 or 13, and we save like one for, you know, uh, abroad. We'll see what happens, but it's definitely a double vinyl outing this time. How did time off enter into, you know, uh, working on this particular project? Did it help you? Because I know a lot of musicians I've talked to, they've they spent a lot of time in their home studios, and they actually liked it. Yeah, I did a lot of playing, um, <clears throat> went through a lot of guitars. Yeah. <laughs> that I had purchased in the two years that we were down. I decided I was going to invest in guitars and bought like a lot of guitars, learned how to work on them all, and you know, a, a huge amount of playing. You know, put many, many hours in, uh, you know, learning some new things. I actually learned how to play keyboards that I didn't do before. Wow. Where, where quite a few of these songs came from were loops. They were keyboard loops that I played. Um like got to get back to where we used to be. That's where that came from. That was my keyboard loop. And I sent it to Jonathan and he wrote the lyrics and a melody on it. And so, um, you know, just, uh, experimented a lot and, um, wrote a lot. 
What does Jonathan say about your keyboard playing? <laughs> um, well, he thought it was pretty good. Yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> nice to hear. I don't think I'm quite as good as him, but, you know, uh, good enough to lay down the song idea. By the way, you were talking about your all the guitars and stuff. There's a picture I've seen of you holding this blue, beautiful, shimmery guitar. What is that? Because that's, that's stunning to look at. Um, I'm not sure. I have a bunch of blue ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where did you see it? It was a picture. I was doing some research and stuff, and it popped up, and it's just like, oh, my God, that is just beautiful. Oh, I've got, well, I've got a Collins uh, semi-acoustic guitar uh, that's beautiful blue uh, that I that I posted on my Instagram. That could be uh, it. Yeah, it might have been Instagram. And then there's also a, a custom Charvel that's blue, and so they're both beautiful. And then I have, I don't know, 10 Paul Reeds that are blue. So a lot of blue guitars. How do you, do you have a guitar that is one that has been with you since maybe the beginning of Journey that you just love? You know what? I have one acoustic, a Guild F50, uh, that I wrote a lot of the early stuff on. And um, funny story, I uh, auctioned off a lot of stuff uh, this last year just because I had too many guitars. Yeah. I couldn't find anything. You know, uh, <laughs> I went to look for something and it was like, oh, my God, I have to dig through, you know, 150 <laughs> guitars. You've become a hoarder. <laughs> even get close to what I'm looking for. It was just too crazy. So um, I was going to auction that off as well. And um, my wife bought it back for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she said, I can't see you like not having this. And so I've got that back. And, and there's another, you know, a special guitar that she bought me that was a, a 54 gold top Les Paul that was just wow. in condition and, you know, kind of stomped on everything else that I picked up next to it that was older. But, you know, really, it's in your hands. It's between, you know, the pickups, your hands, and the amplifier. You don't have to own all these guitars that are really expensive because that's not really where the sound comes from. And so, you know, I have a lot of go-to guitars like, I love these new Eddie Van Halen guitars I've got, the Wolfgangs. They're just phenomenal guitars to play. Uh, Strats, new and old Strats, Tellys, Les Pauls, you know, um, it's a piece of wood. And so you get a good piece of wood that rings and, um, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's not a 59 or a 58 or a 57 that you're going to pay an arm and a leg for. It's it's the guitar itself. It's the wood and, you know, what comes out of your hands. Well, and, you know, when I look at someone like a Paul McCartney, who's been around for a few minutes, he's got that same bass guitar that he had back in the day. And uh, I think it's it's whatever, like you say, it, it feels good in your hand. And by the way, did you watch the Beatles uh, docuseries Get Back? Have you gotten to that yet? I've, I've watched parts of it. In between working, you know, I still haven't seen the whole thing, but man, what a, what a, else I could think was, it's all amazing, but I was going, wow, who had to edit this? <laughs> I know, I know, right, because there were 60 hours of that, and I think a lot of people felt like, boy, I'm just sitting through uh, some kind of a therapy session. Of course, it ended up being fantastic by the end of it. But the first one and a half parts of it were were pretty brutal because it was very 
real between those guys. Actually, in a way, it kind of had to remind you of your band and that you've gone through lineup changes and there are emotional moments involved with that. You know what? I think every band does. Yeah. You know, we're, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary next year. Wow. That's 50 years I'm talking about. <laughs> I've been here. So, you know, uh, you got you to imagine that when you're close to people and it's, it's – uh, you know, we've always had a tight journey family and it's been like a family. And when something goes south, it's not fun. But at this point, I just deal with it. You know, it is what it is. And, um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm not ready to let that mothership go down. No kidding. Yet. And so, um, you know, I, I really believe that um, we still are journey. You know, I feel like as long as I'm there and Jonathan's there right now, uh, that we're still journeying and Arnell as well. You know, Arnell has been with us for 14 years now. Wow. And that's, that's a long time, much longer. Probably. I think it's actually double the long, the, the, the period of the period that Steve Perry was with us. I was going to say, uh, Arnell, he's a tough kid, but he's not a kid anymore. Is he? <laughs> well, he still acts like one. He yeah. Looks like one. Right. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, his his voice, last couple shows, he's kind of freaking tremendous. I was like, wow, what is going on? And um, he said he was trying some new warm-up techniques that he had learned from a good friend of ours. And so uh, I think it's working. That's good to hear because you know, you know Vegas throat. That can get you sometimes. Oh, it's so dry. I mean, I have a hard time uh, singing uh, background vocals. Yeah. You know, the first night we got here, I just stopped singing halfway through a song because nothing came out. <laughs> and I was like, wow. All I could think was, I'm glad I'm plugged into electricity here. <laughs> and my instrument is guitar. And, you know, I don't have to sing all night. By the way, have you talked to your friend, uh, Carlos Santana, who recently had a successful heart procedure? Yes, I did. I heard about it and um, didn't talk to him on the phone. Uh, he didn't pick up, but I did... Um, we text back and forth and um, I was very concerned about him. Obviously I've been so close to Carlos uh, for so many years now, actually closer now than I was when I played with him, you know, back in, in 72 and 71. Um, but uh, he's, he's doing well. And um, we sent him some flowers the other day. It was very appreciative. And so uh, I'm uh, praying that everything just keeps on going well for him. He's just a great, human being amazing guitarist but beyond that a great friend a human being yeah and if you were available would you uh if carlos called would you play in santana again if you had a couple days absolutely sure and uh, you know in a new york second Uh, what is the current lineup of journey because i know that randy jackson recently had back surgery and he's uh, out of the lineup at least for the moment right um and and narda had some personal uh, matters to take care of at home and so he he's no longer with us but at the time you know we when we were in chicago Right before we started playing our first gig, we we had two drummers. We had Nard and we had Dean. And then we had Marco Mendoza on bass filling in for Randy. So now, um, you know, I felt like um, after we had played a few gigs without Narda, and it was just Dean on drums, I felt like Marco and Dean, it was a different band. 
you know, and I've been in different bands with Marco and Dean. Yeah. But it yeah. didn't quite breathe right for Journey to me. You know, Marco's a phenomenal player and singer, but he's he he's uh, very aggressive on the bass, and he plays like sometimes really on top of time or right on time. And our material, even though it sounds very simple, there's there's uh, a chemistry to it. And the sure. bass has to sit behind the drums and allow that space. And so everything starts dancing a bit. And um, so I thought about it. And um, Marco was also in about five different bands. <laughs> I think he was having a little bit of a hard time remembering all the correct parts, you know? Yeah. And, and so... And he was traveling nonstop. I, I don't know how the guy does it, um, but he does it. And God bless him. But, you know, I thought about Todd Jensen, who is a bass player that I played with going way back. And Dean actually grew up with him in Oregon. We were in Hardline together first. And then, you know, after Hardline disbanded, uh, I got the gig with Paul Rogers right after um, Muddy Water Blues came out. It was between Lukather and myself, and Paul gave it to me. It was funny, and uh, Luke is a great guy. I love him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said uh, he had a band that he had put together at that time. We were rehearsing, and his band was not quite catching on, you know. And Paul was getting really frustrated that nobody could remember anything. And I go, Paul, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I got two guys I think would fit perfect in here. And so I brought in Dean and I brought in Todd and it sounded phenomenal. You know, we went on, we toured for about a year. We were playing at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles. We took a sound check and Steve Perry showed up right at the sound check. Really? Yeah. And then he heard us and he came on stage and he went, wow, he says, man, you sound better than ever. This sounds amazing. And so apparently he liked Todd's playing too, uh, because then he was thinking of putting a band together, a solo band, before he went out solo, and he used Todd in his band. But did Steve say, hey, how about we do a couple songs here? No, he didn't no. say that. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Paul would have been open to it. Paul is frightening, man. The guy, sound, you know, he always sounds like a record every night. Wow. We talk about a singer that never loses it. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned Chicago. I... I thought it was very cool you guys played at Lollapalooza. Obviously, there's a whole new generation of fans out there, right? Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Um, it was like the first time we have, we were ever invited, right? Yeah. And everybody was like this naysay, oh, what are they doing there? They don't belong here. I mean, they're really going, you know, way outside the box here. This is supposed to be alternative music. Well, you know what? We just stretched it out. I think... You know, we played for trying to think how long it was. It was a pretty long show and stretched out and improvised a lot in that show. Actually played um, Jack Johnson, Miles Davis after La Do Da Do Day. Wow. Killer drum solo between Narda and, and Dean. Then we went into that and then I proceeded to play a lot of the stuff I'd been practicing while we were in this downtime. Uh, I started, you know, playing a lot of really outside stuff at my home studio that was more like trumpet based and more from that Miles Davis era, you know, like <sighs> Bitches Brew. Yes. And, um, so I learned about all that and uh, I started throwing that in. And the young audience out there, I looked out there and the more out that I went, the more like the more they liked it. 
And so I was like, wow, this can live in our situation, you know, and and, uh, just add it into what we're doing. Uh, If it's the right, you know, if we have the right amount of time to play, you can actually stretch out. You can actually get interesting with it. By the way, I heard this story that uh, you know, a long time ago, Prince was a fan of Journey, but he called you guys because when Purple Rain single came out, he thought it might be a little too close to your faithfully and didn't want to get sued by you guys. Is that true? Um, it is a true story. And, <laughs> you know, I, um, I found um, I have a friend in Minneapolis that was very close to him, Rick Barron. Yeah. And um, Rick Barron, you know, had told me a lot of stories after he passed that he was a huge fan of myself. And I was like, wow, it's crazy. I never um, had, you know, met him before or had the opportunity to talk to him. But I held, I heard similarities here and there, you know, especially in Purple Rain um, next to, you know, the way I played on Faithfully. Yeah. And according, you know, the, 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 the sending cores that Jonathan wrote. And so he did call our management and then management put him on the phone with Jonathan and Jonathan said, Hey, you know, I think it's a tremendous song. I don't think it's close enough. Don't worry about it. You know, I've gone to see him before. Uh, I mean, after all that, after Larry Graham was playing with him yeah. in Minneapolis and I had played with Larry Graham. I was in a band with Larry Graham and Greg Rico from Sly and Family Stone right. uh, before I did the journey thing and started that. And so, I went to see Larry. I'm talking to him backstage, and Prince walks by, and he got all shy, you know, and he got, just kept on walking and say hello. <laughs> he was very, you know, introverted in, in a sense and and shy. But I have tremendous respect for him as an artist, uh, as well as Larry and Greg, and you know, pretty much everybody I played with. Yeah, um, you know, had the the greatest uh, career so far, you know, um, and just, you know amazing time playing with all these great musicians. Neil, I it's probably a couple years ago now I interviewed your bandmate Jonathan Kane ab- about Don't Stop Believing being used in the final scene of The Sopranos and Jonathan said that it was pretty interesting because at the time and this was years ago when that aired it kind of reinvigorated the band and and fans came out of the woodwork again is that a pretty fair assessment i mean did you feel that well you know i think it, it is a fair assessment where, where it brought you know a lot of people back to uh where we had left off you know at the time we had we didn't have a lead singer uh, right. i remember at that time I, I had forgotten that they were considering using it. I had gotten an email uh, from their camp like about six months before it actually came down. And at the time that it came down, I was on the internet on YouTube looking for a new singer. Uh, and I just thought I'm going to use YouTube because we had gone through the whole procedure before of flying people in from all over the world yeah, on drums and bass and uh, when Steve, you know, wanted the different rhythm section back then, and it was quite costly and time consuming, and you would know within the first three minutes if they fit or not. And so I went, I'm just going to go on YouTube. And after about two days of looking, I found Arnell. Uh, he was like the last link I hit. He was covering some Chicago. Uh, not Chicago, some, uh, I don't know what song it was. He was sounded great, though. You know, I just went, here the guy is, you know. Uh, and at that period, right then, 
when I found him and I was calling Jonathan, we had gotten the news that it 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 got you know put in the final scene of the Sopranos. It was pretty trippy. Well, of course. What is your opinion? I don't I don't know if you uh, watched that episode, but I mean, to, did Tony die or did he not? Um, well, that is the question, you know. <laughs> I mean, I uh, think I think many believe I that think, since the, since it went black, that he's. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Speaking of YouTube, I I watched I watch this all the time. It's Journey's original appearance on the Midnight Special. It was so energetic. You and Greg and Steve. What do you remember about taping that? Because that had to be pretty exciting for you guys. Wow, you know what? I don't. I haven't seen it in that many years, and so I don't even know what to think of it without looking at it. Yeah, again. it was just the same way, and one other song maybe. But yeah, it was. It was just really great. Go back and look at it. Oh, cool! I'll check it out. Yeah. So, are you enjoying the room over at the Virgin? Uh, they did a lot of work on the sound in there, and acoustics are probably much better than they have ever been. Well, we love having you and Journey here. I know you're here through the 11th. And uh, where do you go from here? What's after Vegas? Well, we play. We our last date uh, for AEG and Virgin Hotels is the 11th, and then we have our um, our orchestra show that we're doing at the Coliseum, at Caesar's Coliseum, on the 18th. Great. We're going to be doing that, and we're getting ready to start to rehearse with the string players. It should be interesting. We'll see what happens. And, you know, we probably plan on doing many more of these. And right now I'm I'm looking at all the different deals for streaming, and um, we're going to pick someone to stream with, and uh, and then it'll be later released on a DVD. Nice. Neil, sounds like you're very busy, and hopefully you guys stay well on the road. Happy holidays to you and your family, and thanks for all the time. Thank you, man. You too. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, You as well. Thanks, Neil. Bye-bye. So cool. First of all, listening to how passionate he still is about the music and performing and hearing him talk about his love for guitars... Make sure that you see them when they hit the road again next year, if not here in Las Vegas. That does it for this episode of the Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.